1: of wingless, and you 'll understand that more, but I guess I need to kind of poll the crowd for just a moment. How many you believe in a supernatural God? Yes. All right, you can let, instead of raise your hand. let me just get your A manners warmed up with this. okay? All right. Um, how many believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Amen. OK? How many you believe that uh, God made Adam and Eve? Amen. OK? How many believe that God actually parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel to walk through? That's supernatural. Watch out. How many of you believe that a giant fish God prepared swallowed Jonah, spit him out? Can I get an amen? Amen. Wow. How many believe a virgin gave birth to the Messiah? Amen. Huh. I mean, just, how many believe Jesus is coming again? Amen. Okay, okay. That's all supernatural. But when we talk about supernatural things in the church, we get a little wigged out. It's all because some people are just already a little wigged out. Let me just be honest with you. People will come up to me and they go, Pastor, God moved for me. And I'm like, well, tell me about it. I said, I walked up to the Coke machine. It blinked three times, once for the Father, once for the Son, and once for the Holy Ghost, and spit a Diet Coke out right at me. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I hear that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's not God. That's called electrical shortage. Come on now, right? but because some being mean no but because some people some people are so hungry to see the supernatural we forget we serve a supernatural god Amen. need I r- remind you we have come here to worship a king who came from heaven put on flesh they nailed him to a cross, killed him, stabbed him through the heart with a spear. And three days later, we celebrate the fact that the earth shook, the stone rolled away, and Jesus walked out in power. That's supernatural. That's that's what it is. We celebrate that, but yet we get a little wigged out when people start talking about supernatural outside the Bible. One of my favorite stories, St. Patrick. If you know the story of St. Patrick, St. Patrick had been a boy who was the grandson of the pastor, father was an elder in the church, and he rejected God on every side. In the middle of the night, the Irish attacked, swept into that part of England, took him captive, drugged him as a slave, tied him up, sold him to a farmer who threw him in a cold barn with himself hogtied on the floor in a cold barn trying to figure out if he was going to survive. He called on the God of his father and his grandfather. God radically changed his life. He would grow into a man. He would serve the Irish, and eventually he would escape to his freedom, only to feel the draw of God to draw him back. As he was drawn back, St. Patrick was brought back to Ireland, and as he arrived, he sent a word to the king. He said, an envoy of another king has arrived. And he said, I want to share with you the message from my king the Druids were scared that he would be defile their power, take away their ability to have influence over the king. So the Druids set uh, guards on each side of the road. Study your history. This is, this is there. They set guards on each side of the road and, and said when he comes down, he and his traveling companions, there were five traveling companions with him, He said, they said, kill him. They stood on the road waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, St. Patrick arrived at the, at the castle, began to witness to the king. The Druids were enraged and said, why did you not kill him? And the soldiers said, no men came down this road. And they said, no, they walked down that road. They made it to the castle. There's no other road. And they said, no men came down this road, save six little deers walked by at one point. Supernatural. But we get wigged out. When we talk about a supernatural God, even though we shout He's alive, we don't understand it. And, and so we're getting there. And just let me finish why I'm setting this up this way. Let me just tell you what happened in our church just three weeks ago. Um, there was a revival. I prayed over the ministers to come. We we had three different ministers on Sunday morning. Pastor Rick was bringing the message. In the first service, Pastor Rick felt distinctly uh, to change his message. What he did not know was there was a girl named Ray here. and Ray was from Kansas City. And as Ray drove in from Kansas City, she and her, her friends had driven in, and it was a death trip. Ray had been told to go home and die because there was nothing that could be done for her cancer. It was over. 19, 20 year old girl, there's no hope for you. There's nothing that can be done. She told her friends she'd never seen the ocean. She wanted to see the ocean before she died. So her friends gathered up, and because they were friends with my brother and his wife, they they, they called and said, hey, can we stay at your house for the night? And so Ray and her friends came and stayed at the house. They shared the story, and, 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 and they just compelled, my sister-in-law compelled, you want to come to church for this, come to church. And they came to Revival the Saturday night and enjoyed it, but but they, but they were split. Should we go on to the, uh, one of the girls, her brother was a pastor, should we drive on to that church? Or But several of them just fought. They actually argued, we fit like we're supposed to be in that church on this Sunday morning. So they came to the 815 service. Pastor Rick preached a message that was different than any of the others. He preached the message that was about the children of Israel when they were backed up against the Red Sea. And this is what it said. When they backed up against the Red Sea, the Bible says that they said we can either be slaves in Egypt or corpses in the desert. He preached the message that what happens when both of your options are bad? He said, you need to find the God option that parts the Red Sea. Little Ray jumped up and said, I'm going to trust the God option. Last Monday, Monday, the week tomorrow, Ray walked into her doctor's office for her schedule, Did for them to tell them, tell her how much longer she was going to be alive. And the doctors ran one test and they ran another test and they ran another test and they said, we can't explain it. Not only are you not going to die, but you are in perfect health. You've been healed. <laughs> Blew our minds. There was nothing spooky about the moment. It was just part of a moment of faith where she heard the word. Don't you understand? It's, it's the word of God that brings the change. Amen. And God's changed her life. You see, that's a supernatural moment. So where we are in this message, when God began to give this to me, I argued with God. I said, God, I don't know that I want to preach on this. And, and God began to give it to me. And so I want to talk to you about something a little different today for our church. And like I said, the strangest message I've ever preached, I think. But I want to talk to you about angels. Anybody in here ever felt like they've interacted with an angel? Can I? See so your hand? I don't know why I thought this, but I think you, think you might be sitting with a demon right now. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, you know, that husband went, uh, but, uh, you know, but angels are all around us. And when you start talking about angels, people get wigged out. They get, they get, and so I said, God, I don't know that I even want you to reveal angels to me, but what he taught me was so powerful. I just want to share it with you this morning. Hebrews chapter 1, I believe it's verse number 14. Uh, read read with me what, what it says here. Therefore, angels are only servants. What's this. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. I'm reading to you from the New Living. But angels are servants sent to care for those who are saved, those who will inherit salvation. And I had to ask myself after some study that I didn't realize that how much there was about angels in the Bible. I mean, I don't have a clue. Do you realize that from uh, Hebrews on, Paul addresses angels numerous times and at one point he actually says avoid vain genealogies. And he's not referring to the study of Jewish heritage there. He's referring to a certain sect of Jews that had m- many of them had come to Christ and they had worshiped the angels who had, were part of creation in their opinion. And so they, they had this deep study of the angelic and and then you had a real debate going on because the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't agree Because the Sadducees didn't believe in angels and the Pharisees did believe in angels. And so nobody agreed on all this. And and Paul said, you know, don't waste a whole lot of time on this. And I'm thinking, well, God, why are you showing me where Paul said, don't waste a whole lot of time on this, but yet you're giving me a sermon about angels. And then when I got to the bottom of, of answering the one question that kept coming to my mind, it all made sense. And here's the question. Why would angels serve us? Why, according to Hebrews 1, would angels be sent to care for us? And why would they do it? I mean, anytime you find angels in scripture, they're pretty awe-inspiring. They're pretty amazing. Why would these awe-inspiring, majestic beings want to serve humanity? Now, here's the thing. We get wigged out about the supernatural. Half of you that are normally like preach pastor are looking at me like going, where are you going? Well, stay with me for just a moment and listen to what God revealed to me. We see in Hebrews chapter 2 that the Bible says in verse number 7 says that we are made a little lower than the angels. So the angels were made more uh, superior to us. We see in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some have done this having entertained angels without realizing it. You see, Matthew 25, Jesus said, hey, you did this unto a stranger, yet you've done it unto me. And and some even relate the same word there for stranger as the, the one that is implying the angelic so why are the angels among us? Well, we've heard stories. We've all heard stories about people that walk out of nowhere and, and just rescue somebody. People that, that, that have just the right tool at just the right time. People that have the, just the right uh, thing that's needed to solve a situation. We've heard those stories and, and I asked for stories before we did this series and we had some amazing ones come in. And the one that probably impressed me the most is one of our families. They come, the parents come to the early service, the son comes to the last service and, and, and this was the story that they shared with me. They said, Pastor, they were living up north, and they'd lived in Canada for a while, and they said there was a, a, a tremendous snowstorm going on, and their, their son uh, was so sick that he was laying there in uh, the bed so sick and they didn't know what they were supposed to do. And so suddenly a, a knock came at the door. And, and as they opened the door, there's an old man who identified himself. He said, hey, I'm the local doctor and, and I I just I need to come in and use your phone for just a moment. And, um, and just kind of introduced himself, came in and they let him in the door. And I thought we wouldn't do that nowadays, but they let him in the door. And as he came in the door, he looked at them and said, and your son is sick. And they said, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is sick. He said, well, let me check on him. And he goes back and lays hands on him and prays for him and, and then turns around without using the phone and, and says, it's time for me to go and walks out the door. Immediately the family notices the son has had the fever's broken. He's beginning to recover immediately. They're like, it was, it was just shocking. And so the dad runs to the door to see which way this man has went, and the snow was deep. And he said, he would blew his mind as he opened the door. There were no tracks in the snow. So when we hear those kind of stories, we celebrate those and we realize things like that happen around us but but, but, but why would an angel that's this majestic being, why would they serve us? And we find them all throughout Scripture that, that Hebrews uh, says again, says he sends his angels out like winds in Hebrews 1:7. 1, Psalms 104 is Hebrews 1:7 is quoting Psalms 1044 and, and, and I thought, well what are angels doing among us and how superior are they? And here's just a couple of quick examples. Genesis 19:13. Uh, they were able to destroy whole towns. 2 Kings 1935, one angel killed 185,000 warriors in one night. Psalm seventy eight forty nine tells us that it was a force of angels that were involved in the slaughtering of the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. Psalm 34 and 7 tells us that, that they are strong enough to surround and protect God's children. I mean, do you really believe what well, Psalms 91 says that the angels of the Lord, you can round about those who fear him. Do you really believe that this word, you believe that they go forth ministering? Do you believe that? Can I get an amen? amen. So why does it wig us out to talk about them so much? But we make it over to the new Testament, Luke chapter one, uh, Zachariah is ministering and angel walks up and says, Hey, I know you've not been able to have children, but you're going to be able to have a child and you're going to name him John the Baptist. Luke 1, Gabriel shows up, says to Mary, I know you've never been with a man, but God's going to overpower you and, and, and cover you with his presence and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Luke 2 and 9, the skies literally fill with angels announcing the birth of the Savior. Matthew 1 and 2, twice, Joseph is visited by an angel in a dream that tells him to get up and go somewhere else. Matthew 4 and 11, that uh, we realize that Jesus was tempted and the angels came to him after the temptation and ministered to him. Angels 300 times mentioned in scripture. Matthew 28 and 5, an angel announces the resurrection. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He has risen just as he said he would do. Acts 3, three, I'm thankful for this one. An angel showed up and said, Cornelius, prepare your house because the gospel's coming to your house today and the Gentiles shall know God. Acts 12 and six tells us that an angel walked in one of my favorite stories in the Bible. uh, Peter's head's going to be cut off in morning. Now, if your head was going to be cut off in about four hours, don't you think that you'd probably be thinking through a few things? Peter's sound asleep. And this is how I imagine the moment. I've just got to tell you, this is how I imagine the moment. Peter's snoring on the floor, and the angel thinks, you know, in his mind, he's coming in to rescue him. and he's like, Pah. And Peter's asleep, and the angel goes, wake up. That's what the Bible says. Slaps him against the side, says, get up. Come on. Isn't it amazing that the end of your life could be at hand, but your confidence is so much in a risen Savior that you've encountered that you don't worry about who's going to try to take your life. But there was an angel in that story. Again, Paul says an angel stood beside him on the day that the, they were at storm on the sea. Angels all throughout the Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22 says this, though, Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels, watch this, and all the authorities and powers accept his authority. So angels are not subject to us, but yet they serve us. Why? I mean, I keep asking that question. Why do angels serve us? We know that angels resemble men. Genesis 19, two angels walk into the city. They are looked at, uh, Lot recognizes them, but they're just seen as uh, extremely high quality uh, looking individuals. Matthew 28, uh, suddenly there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. No, notice this, uh, there are no wings. Nowhere in scripture does an angel, some of you are going to go home and move all your statues. <laughs> Nowhere do they have wings. They are somehow always revealed unless they're cherubim in heaven, but the angels that are among us revealed as these, these great beings of stature. Luke 15.10 says this, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when, watch this, when one, even one sinner, repents, so I ended up in kind of a bad place. I said, like, God, I don't understand what you're even trying to teach me. How can I teach this to the congregation? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. What is the significance of talking about angels? What's the significance of any of this? And God began to just pour this into my heart, and I said, God, you're going to have to help me. Why would an angel rejoice? Why would the supreme being rejoice when we find Christ? And that's where I found the answer. Do you know that all answers are found in Christ? That's where I found the answer. You see, the Bible says they are not sent to everyone. Everyone does not have a guardian angel. The Bible says that the angels are sent to those who will inherit salvation. Now, that started queuing me in on why do angels come around. Let me tell you, and, and people that die here don't become angels there. Okay, that's not true. Angels were pre-man, okay? So I'm going, God, why do these great beings get excited when one of us gets saved? And and, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Maybe I just ought to come right around here. Because the common denominator is not that they rejoice at the interaction with man, who they serve, rejoice over, protect. But the common denominator we see is when the word says that they encamp around those who fear the Lord. Why would the angels encamp around us, and, and the key is there in those who fear God? Why would the angels be sent to minister to those who are saved? Because in each one of these instances, and we'll get to why they rejoice in just a moment, but in each one of these circumstances, we understand that when you fear the Lord, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. When you come to know Jesus, Jesus comes inside of you. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone would open open unto me, I will enter in into him. He lives inside of us. And so I began to understand something that Jesus was trying to reveal to me, that the reason that the angels in heaven rejoice when somebody gets saved is not because of the salvation process, but because when we get saved, Jesus comes inside of us. And when Jesus comes inside of us, we become a different dimension for them to minister to. One more way they can show that they love Jesus as they minister to Christ in us. And it got better than that. I got more excited as I began to study a little bit further. I began to understand that they want to minister to the Christ that's in us. And you're going, Pastor Don, I don't know what, what does this have to do with where I am today? I'm getting you there. You see, we know Christ is in us because his word declares in first John chapter four, verse number 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in Me, You also find this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Romans 8, 10, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7, Galatians 1, uh, 15 and 16, and many others. Over and over and over again, the scriptures say that Christ is in you. And then I began to understand what God was beginning to put into place here because I began to understand that the angels have a mission. The mission of the angels is to equip the work of Christ in the earth. And then I began to understand Colossians chapter 1 Verse number 16 says this, for through him, God created everything through who Christ in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Notice this, everything was created through him and I got some of you, everything was created through him and for him. So watch this now. Here's where I got excited because I don't want to preach a message that doesn't somehow point you back to Jesus. I don't want to waste your time because Jesus is the answer for all things. And here's what I began to see in the word, that the true thing that we can see here is that everything was created through Christ and for Christ. And if Christ is in me, then what I need can come into reality in my life. Not by me trying to make it a reality, not by me trying to manipulate some kind of quoting of the scriptures or beg God somehow, but the way that what I need comes to my life, the way these angels, these ministering spirits are sent out from God to bring the supernatural into our lives. What are the words say? That signs and wonders shall follow. follow those who believe. It's not something we're seeking after, but because we believe Jesus, because Jesus is growing on the inside of us, everything we need can be brought into our lives because Christ is in us and all things were created through him and him. So in other words, instead of trying to find the supernatural and being all spooky about it and wondering why, why God's not doing this miracle and that miracle and, and seeking after miracles, the thing we need to seek after is Jesus. Because when Christ is in us, the supernatural world is attracted to Christ and what we need begins to become a reality for us. Now, I don't know who I'm preaching to. I, I might, I'll just preach to the camera because maybe it's somebody watching. But for just a moment, I want to say this. If you've been wondering why you can't get the right relationship in your life, it's not because God doesn't want you to have the right relationship. It's because you haven't prioritized the first relationship. You need to begin to prioritize Christ inside of you. You're wondering why your family can't break through. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, favor's not fair, but favor chases those who are growing in Christ. As Christ begins to grow in you, what you need begins to come into your life. Pastor Don, are you saying I'll never have a problem? No. I mean, we've had to pray for miracles in our family this week. We've had to ask God for some supernatural things. My children have had to struggle with their illnesses yet even this week. But that does not change the fact that my God's still a healer, my God's still a deliverer, and my God's still able. And instead of searching after the miracle, I'm searching after Jesus, who's the one who brings the miracle. You see, the debate they had in the early church was they were starting to worship the angels, and the angels don't deserve to be worshipped. There's only one that deserves to be worshipped, and it's Jesus. So instead of trying to work yourself out of the home because you're trying to get to a certain house or trying to lose your family because you can't stay at home because you're trying to make something a reality in your life, what you need to do is find a way to get to know Jesus more. And as you find a way to grow in Christ, everything else begins to line up. Because the supernatural wasn't sent to wow you. It was sent to reach through you and do the work of Christ. What's Ray's story benefit? There are people in this church that have been diagnosed this week with cancer. And I declare the same God that healed Ray can heal them. You see, it's what Christ is doing in you that becomes a ministry to others. So Christ gave me this simple word. I'm going to share with you a story, and I'll close this morning. You see, it's not about whether or not we try to make the supernatural happen. It's about whether or not we learn to love Jesus more and more. Now, look, it's 1990-something. As Charlie says to me, back in the ancient days. <laughs> he actually said that to me going to the road. He said, Uncle Don, back in the ancient days... I said, <laughs> <laughs> so back in the ancient days, our church was small. There was probably only 80 people in the church. We had about 50 in our youth group. I took the youth group on a retreat. The church van was one that a family in our church would loan to us. It was a, a, a blue Toyota minivan. Back when Toyota was trying to figure out how to make a minivan. It looked somewhat like the Scooby-Doo van going down the road. In that little seven-seat passenger van, I had crammed 14 children in. Any of you ever ride in that blue van? Let me see your hand. A few of you. Okay. 14 kids. We went to Helen. God showed up. Still one of the greatest retreats I've ever been on in my life. God showed up. The whole church canceled that morning. There was only like 30 left, and they all came up there, and we had church there. That Sunday morning was the morning that the tornadoes destroyed Helen. We were all there. One car of several of you in this room had taken off and went on ahead. I was supposed to be right behind them, but somehow it was almost like the gas in my car evaporated. I'm I'm one of those freaks that when the light comes on, you're already two gallons late. My wife's like, "Oh no, you can go a hundred more miles," (laughs) but it's like the gas. I mean, I don't let things run out again. It evaporated, and I said, "I said, God." What am I supposed to do? And I just felt this urgency to turn and go back to the gas stations in Helen. And honestly, if we had not gone back to those other gas stations, we would have been right behind the car that our other leaders were in. And when the tornado hit, it scooped their car up, crushed the top, threw them in a ditch. They lived and they all came out a little banged up, but they came out well. We would have been right behind them and and everything right behind their car, the 11 people were killed but I'd had to turn and go the other way. This is pre-cell phones. Anybody remember those days? Yes, kids, there was a time. No cell phones. The phone lines were all down. The power was out. You couldn't pump gas. The roads were blocked. We pulled in to a hotel in Helen. They would not allow the kids to sit in the lobby. I had to rent two rooms. I'll never stay at that hotel. Put the kids in safety of the rooms. Jamie and I walked down to the road. You remember this, Jamie? We walked down the road. Jamie's been that height since he was about 12. (laughs) Jamie and I walked down to the road. And on the corner of the road, we stood. They called me Brother Don. They said, Brother Don, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to pray. We stood down by that road and no gas, no hope of getting gas, no power, Kids sitting in darkened rooms. Christina up there with them. Jamie and I stood by that road and we began to pray. Then the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong; we, the Holy Spirit, began to minister through us, and we were just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, while we're praying, this it, it was white, it was dingy white, wasn't it? Like a white and gold. I mean, like this little truck just screeches to a halt in front of us. This bearded. Old guy jumps out and says, what do you boys need? I was like, well, hello. I said, we got some kids up here. We're trying to figure out how to get them home. He said, what do you need? I just thought I'd yell back at him. Gas! <laughs> it's true. You were there. He said, well, I've been out getting nurses to the hospital, and i got one gallon of gas left. Here! Hands it to us, jumps in his truck, and takes off. Was he an angel? He was that day. No clue where he came from. No clue where he went. But I poured that gallon of gas. Jamie and I jumped in the car. I thought, well, if we put too much weight on it, it'll slow it down. So we drove it all the way to Cleveland, the back roads. Went around and fallen trees and debris. Filled it up. Came back and got the kids. Pulled in a little brick house right up here on the hill. The parents flooded out the doors. Tears streaming down their faces. Some of you were there. Tears streaming down their faces. Our children are alive. We would have been stuck if it were not for someone who just appeared out of nowhere. Look, guys, you can't get freaky about supernatural things. We serve a God who really wants to move supernaturally in your life. But it's never going to happen if you are about the supernatural things. It's only going to happen if you're about Jesus' work. And if Jesus is growing on the inside of you, the whole everything begins to work for you. All that you need is within reach because all that you really need is Jesus.